Now, for the parents of, uh, of uh, the kids that went to uh, camp, either teen camp or youth camp, I will let you know that I will be talking to somebody about the rigging of the water wars. Uh, that's some serious stuff right there that needs to be taken care of. My wife and I have been married 36, no, actually, we've been together 36 years. We met when we were 17, so that'll let you know kind of how old we are. Uh, and we've been married 28 years uh, amen. <clears throat> and we've been, we've been Christians 29 of those years. We have three wonderful kids. They're all adults now. Uh, Nick is 25. Uh, he has his own career now and, you know, grown adult. And then Nathan, we call him Nate Dog. Uh, he, he is 21 and he's in the campus ministry at Cal State San Bernardino. Uh, just an amazing kid. And, uh, and then we have Ashley, who just graduated from high school. She's 18, uh, and she's awesome. Love Ashley uh, a ton. And uh, we're just very, very blessed uh, to have the children that we have. Um, let's go ahead and start with the word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message today. Let's pray. God, it is so awesome. Uh, it's an honor to be able to be with the Desert Cities Ministry uh, this afternoon, worshiping with them. Uh, so encouraged by the worship team, by the kids sharing, uh, here in Chevy. Uh, it's so amazing to be with our brothers and sisters out here. Uh, please bless this service. God, empower me to speak the words that you want me to speak today. I pray that the scriptures really penetrate our hearts and that a seed is planted to help us grow spiritually and be better for you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Riverside, I have a tradition where I start each sermon, before I preach, I have a couple of jokes for the congregation, and I want to warn you, they're not that funny, but that, but that is on purpose, right, Roy? I try. So let me, let me give you a couple. Why are peppers the best at archery? Because they have an arrow. You guys are just like Riverside. <laughs> Last one. What state is known for its tiny beverages? Minnesota. <laughs> Did you like that one, Roy? Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. I do have my timer on. Just want to let you know. All right. So I am, as a minister, I'm asked frequently, Hey, Sergio, how can we grow as a church. There is a concern for a lot of people that have been Christians a long time of why they're not seeing many new disciples one for Jesus. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What's going on in our family of churches? What's going on in our own congregation? And I know that God longs for us not only to follow him and for us to be saved, but he also wants other people to be brought into the fold, to be brought into the family of Christ, and also be one. But not just that, he wants us all to be able to make it to the end. I was at the ICMC uh, conference just last week. Rick Garcia and I, I don't know if you know Rick, we drove six campus boys, 19 hours there and 19 hours back in a van. And it was a crazy time but it was a fantastic time. 
It was awesome for the boys to see even their growth and development spiritually. There was a lot of opportunity for us to share scripture with them, encourage them, challenge them, and even correct them. And they are amazing kids. Their response to God's word was incredible. But we were there for the last talk or the last service on Sunday. And Sean Wooten preached the, preached the word that day. And he shared something about the Titanic disaster way back when. When the Titanic sank, there were two lists that were put up. One list was those that were lost in the disaster. And the other list were those that were saved. And the only list that mattered for people was the one on the saved side. Are my loved ones on that list? For the ones that were on the lost side, oh my gosh, their whole world fell apart. And there was nothing that they could do about that once their names were on there. All that mattered for people was that list, being on the saved side. And that's how it's going to be for us and for our family and for our neighbors and for our friends. And so it's so crucial for us to be followers of Jesus and stay there till the end and calling people to the same followership that we have been called to. Jesus wants us to follow him, but not only as individuals, but to build a community around us that says, follow me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what Jesus has done for me. And it's not by my own power, but it's because Jesus is awesome. I'm just a normal, sinful human being, but he's called me to something great. Come follow me as I do this thing for Jesus. So we've got to have a heart, not only for God, but we've got to have a heart for community. And I know you guys do. Because I've heard of all the community things that you guys do together. And we also have a conviction as Christians to see our journey through all the way to the end. Because there's going to be things that get in the way. Right? Things that could divide us. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm this. I'm that. I'm for this. Well, I'm for that. And Satan wants to divide you. So that your name ends up on the lost list. And not on the saved list. Where God wants us to be as completely unified as a community following Jesus together. I do want to read you a couple of scriptures before we get into the main, uh, the main part of the message. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will, make, I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You remember when you first read this scripture? And it was like, whoa! What it is to be a follower of Jesus is not just go after him, but he's going to make me into a fisher of men that I'm going to call people to follow as well. This is a community affair. This is something that we do together. Yes, I have my own surrendered spirit and heart and followership of Him, but I'm called to bring others along. And 
in being inspired to follow the Messiah, to follow a rabbi, these young men left everything behind. They were so inspired to do that. That's how I felt when I was first called to follow Jesus. It was a little scary. Was that the same feeling you had? Man, I'm fired up. And this is going to cost everything I have, but I'm going to do it. And you did it willingly, with a heart that was fired up, that was happy, that was joyful. You didn't know what to expect, but you knew that God had something great because He had given you purpose. In verse 23 of Acts chapter 20, it says, I only know, this is Paul, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul here says, hey guys, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is that I finish the race and complete the task that the Lord gave me to do. I'm going to go out and preach the good news. And and guess what? As I preach the good news, prison and hardships await me. It wasn't like a surprise to Paul that he was facing hardships, that he was getting persecuted, that bad things were happening, that Satan was going to come after him, that people that hated Christians were going to try to kill him. He knew it was going to happen. But sometimes for us, we could be surprised by it. Like, what do you mean the Christian life is not all fun and and happy and joyful and exciting and only good things? And we have some bad things that happen and we could easily walk away. Have you guys heard of this term, quiet quitting? Interesting term. Have you guys heard about that? Where... Because you're unhappy at your job, you give the bare minimum. And so you're not very committed to your job because in your heart there's a bitterness that I don't get recognized or I don't get enough for what I'm doing. And so you're no longer sold out for your job. You're not putting in extra hours. You're not working extra hard. You don't use all your talents. You don't go over, you don't do overtime. You don't do any of the, As disciples, we could quietly fall away. Where we show up, right? But we're not sold out the same way that we used to be anymore because we've faced many hardships and challenges along the way. I have felt that in my own heart. Should I sell out completely and give my all? Man, you know what? I got to look out for my help. And i got to look out for this. And, and, and what about my kids? And what about that? And I was called to fully surrender to God. And give it all up if it meant my life. Do you guys remember that call? We were all called to the same thing. And I want to inspire you today. I don't, I don't want it to be a correction. But I want you to get inspired again. To have the same type of heart. To follow Jesus. And finish the race marked out. For you. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. You see, if you persevere under trial, you are blessed, because you're going to receive the crown of life 
promised to those who love Him. These are some incredible brothers and sisters that you see on the screen. The people in the center, the lady there, she's your sister in Christ, that's Virginia Remington. This was our daughter Ashley's second grade teacher. Ashley reached out to her, invited her to a women's day. She came out the week after. We invited them to a midweek. And tricky fella that I am, we decided to do a lordship slash discipleship study at the midweek. And at the end of the midweek, they were like, whoa, we're not real Christians like we thought. And we invited them to our house and kept studying the Bible with them. And in a few weeks, they were baptized right there in the water, in the ocean. That's Jason, uh, her husband. You know, Jason's gone on to be with God. Uh, He had a car accident last year, and he died on impact in this car accident. Forty-two years old, one of my dearest friends. You know what list he's on? He's on that saved list. You know, Virginia continues on with two daughters, two teenage daughters. On the top right, we see our brother, Renee Aram. Amazing man of God. You know, left a great legacy behind four kids that are solid disciples of Jesus. A wife that is incredible, if you know Evelyn. And we prayed for... God to be able to get rid of his liver cancer that he had, that he was battling. And he fought a valiant fight. But that brother is with God now on that saved list. They are blessed because they have persevered till the end. And these were not men that were lukewarm. They lived their lives sold out, reaching out to as many people as they could, almost understanding that their life was going to be cut short. And they fought to the end to help their neighbors, to help their friends, and to help their families become disciples. We have right there at the bottom right, that's our regional service that we had together not too long ago. And I want to be able to confidently say, and all of us be able to say, that we are old, sold out Christians, surrendered to God. So that one day, We could be with these brothers that have gone ahead and celebrate the awesomeness that's going to be life with God for eternity. Knowing that we have left a great legacy behind, something to not be ashamed of. God is looking for... uh, Next slide, please. Genuine Seekers. Jesus is looking for genuine seekers, people that are about desiring to walk with Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, let's read there. We're going to read this whole passage. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 31, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. 
You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Okay, we'll stop there. We'll, we'll, we'll continue the rest after. Jesus encounters this man, or this man encounters Jesus, let's say that, and he falls on his knees before him. And he recognized that Jesus was somebody awesome. But I think he was even able to see deeper than that, because he called him good teacher. I think he recognized that this was the Messiah, somebody that had a connection with God, and he wanted to know, I think the age-old question, what we want to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But in his question is a fallacy, thinking that there's something that he himself could do to get himself saved. This was a wealthy man. This was a man that had a reputation He was young, too, so he had to be pretty incredible. He showed some humility because he fell at his feet. I'm sure that he was respected. And later on, we find that the disciples were pretty impressed by him. This was a man that we could say he had everything. He's had his act together. He was somebody to be envied. But he recognized there was still something missing in his life. And that Jesus had that to offer. The one thing, though, where he went wrong is he thought he could sprinkle perhaps a little Jesus into his already awesome life and make it more awesome. I could get what I'm lacking, maybe. What can I do? He said. And sometimes that's the question that we ask. You know, we we grow as Christians. We get to the place where we feel like, man, my life is pretty together now. You know, or when my life gets pretty together, I'll sprinkle a little more Jesus into it. And we ask sometimes, even in humility, hey, what, what could I do? What could I do to be more awesome? What could I do to have it all together? We want a sense of balance, right? Good job, good kids, good house, good Jesus. But Jesus is never about balance. Jesus said, I want you to give it all up for me. And we see that in the next part of the message or this scripture. That Jesus doesn't just want part of your life and part of your heart, and part of your belongings. He wants it all. He doesn't want just a portion. He wants it all. And it's not like we're righteous in our being, like we're doing something awesome where God desires us because you're so good, or I'm so good. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And salvation is not a human achievement. And he tells Jesus that as he lays out, as Jesus lays out some things, he said, 
Teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus, I have it pretty together. I have it pretty together, God. What else do you want from me? And he said, hey, one thing you lack. I see that the main God in your life is money. Yeah, you come and seek me. And if you want to be a genuine seeker, don't just fall on your knees before me. Don't just say what you think I want to hear. Don't just be a good person like the world pitches. They said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He's saying salvation is not just about you coming to me and acting a little humble and acting like you got it together and proving it to me, but it is something that requires complete surrender of your heart to God. Give it all to me. Brothers and sisters, are we there? Are we genuine seekers? Where we come after God and we say, it's all yours, Lord. None of this belongs to me. Because we can't achieve salvation on our own human effort. There could be no other gods before us. Let's read on. 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This young man had attained this wealth, and I'm sure that it took quite a bit of effort. Maybe perhaps he was given some, but he had his life pretty together, and he had put his trust in all of that, and all that the world has to offer. He was all wrapped up in it, and that was his God. And he was unwilling to, to leave his stuff for Jesus. He said, I can't do it. How many people have I not, and maybe you, studied the Bible with? And you get to that point where you say, are you willing to give it all up for God? I still do this at times when I study the Bible with people and talk to them about discipleship, and we cover that. And we read in Matthew chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, sorry, about giving it all up for Jesus. I say, hey, give me your wallet. Give me your wallet. Give me your car keys. Some people reluctantly do that because they see how, you know, how strong I am. <laughs> but they give it to me and I said, okay, let's pretend I'm Jesus. I want all of this. And all of this is going to belong to me. And you're going to give it up for me. And you're going to give it up willingly and joyfully and say, I'm going to follow you and do whatever it is you call me to. Everything is going to belong to you. My house is yours. My car is yours. My kids are yours. My career is yours. My time is yours. My health is yours. Everything belongs to you, God. I give it all up for you. And then I say, God in his grace says, I'm going to give you these things on loan. 
the money, the car, the house, the kids. They're not yours. They're mine. And you're going to use them for my glory and to build my kingdom. These things cannot be your God. There's only one God. And He will have no other gods before Him in your life. I grew up in Nicaragua. Woohoo! Los Nicas. And I'll tell you a little story. But before I tell you the story, I want to tell you about monkeys a little bit. In Nicaragua, there's monkeys everywhere. In the jungles and, and you know, people trap monkeys. And people trap monkeys all around the world. And the way they trap monkeys, have you guys ever heard of this? Make a little hole in a tree. Big enough to have the monkey slip his hand in it. And you put a fruit inside the tree. And the monkey slips his hand inside the tree, gets his, you know, his fist around that fruit. And as he's pulling his arm out, he can't pull it out because he's made a fist. And he's trapped. And he wants that fruit so badly... That little reward, he wants it so badly and he's so greedy that he will not let go of it. And somebody easily comes and, boop, you know, right in the head. And the monkey's done. You know, or they simply catch him and put him in a bag and now they got a pet monkey. And that's how we could be. Attracted by the things of the world. The things that God has given back to us. To say, use them for my glory and for my kingdom. We put that hand in there and we can't pull it out and we're entrapped. We're enslaved to those things because God's no longer number one. And Satan comes in and... And guess what? We're not going to be on that saved list. We're going to be on that lost list because those things have become our idols. And I run the risk of being that person. And so do we. And so, one of those monkeys that were trapped was at my sister-in-law's house. And they put him on a tree, had a chain around its, you know, ankle. And it was an ugly monkey. It was old. Hideous. Teeth were all rotten. You know, and every time I would visit, I would throw little pebbles at the monkey. You know, and it would go crazy. This monkey hated me. And I would just tease the monkey. Every time I get closer, you know, get a little slingshot, Mess with the monkey. And one time, I got careless, had to go to the restroom, and I walked by the tree. Forgot about the monkey. That monkey jumped on my head and attacked me. And with its rotten teeth, started, you know, started biting me, attacking me. And I was yelling, Mom! Yelling for my brother. And they were laughing hysterically that the monkey, but I freaked. I thought it was the end of my life. This monkey was all over me. And that's how it is when we play with sin. When we play with idols. We mess with it a little bit and all of a sudden, before you know it, it's all over you. And God doesn't want any other gods or idols before Him. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? If this good guy, who has it all together, who's super awesome, if he can't be saved, oh man, 
What about us? We're not as impressive as him. Have you ever brought somebody to church and they're so impressive? They're like, man, they have it together. Let's make it easy. Let's water things down for that person a little bit because they're, they're such a good person. And maybe, maybe they'll want to be part of, of us. And I think maybe that's a little bit how they were feeling. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Saying, guys, this is not by human effort. You trust in me. You put your trust in me. And everything is possible. There are some things that are super difficult for me, guys. I struggle with a lot of different things. When, when I see injustice or somebody treats somebody else wrong, I get angry. And I get bothered. And sometimes that, you know, whatever it is I'm thinking or I'm feeling, it comes straight out of my mouth without a filter. And i got to keep working on that. You know, I'm a joker, and I could, I could offend people. i got to work on that. If my kids get disobedient, you know, I could be sharp. i got to work on that. But with God, all these things, all these changes that got to happen in my life, they're possible. Not in and of myself, but with the power of God. All these people that need to be saved, that we want to help because we're fishers of men, we're not going to do it out of our own power. But it's through the power of God. If you have no other gods before you, finish your race. Finish your race. Don't become complacent. If you become complacent, repent by the power of God. Don't just white-knuckle it. Go to God and pray and surrender and, and fast. Get somebody else involved in your life. Don't, don't quiet, fall away. The church world is filled with people that fill the pews. But don't live discipleship out. Don't let your testimony become one where you walked away sad because you had great wealth or you had other idols before him. Remember, these brothers, these sisters who have come before you, fill in the blanks. Who is it for you that were those people that inspired you? After being surrendered to God for so long, don't quit. Stay surrendered to God for life. You know, God's not going to turn you away or anybody else away who comes to him with a willing heart. But your heart must be willing. Surrender is what he requires. And he rewards those things with amazing things. Let's look at the next passage or the next part of the scripture here. Sorry, my slide's not moving over here. Verse 28. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last, first. Man, God has been amazing to us. 
for all of us who have left everything to follow Jesus. We have everything we could ever want right here. Brothers, sisters, people who are father figures and mother figures. You know, people who, if we don't have children, that could be like our children to us. The kingdom of God is an incredible place. You may have an apartment, but guess what? You could go to somebody's house. Their house is your house. But along with all the blessings in God's kingdom, you're also going to receive persecutions. There are bad things that happen. Even within the church, we suffer and we go through trials. But God is still with us. Don't doubt. Don't quit. Don't ever give up. Finish your race. The surrender that God requires. He's going to reward with amazing things. Most of all, salvation. You will be on that saved list, not on that lost list. Surrender is preceded by humility, though. Understanding that we bring nothing to God. The only thing we bring is open hands, willing to receive His grace. Lord, I am nothing before you. Please forgive me and receive me. And thank you for your grace. There's nothing that I deserve. I deserve death. And I come before you completely surrendered. All these dirty rags that you see. All my filthiness, God, I lay before you. No other gods before me. I completely give my heart to you. And when people ask, Sergio or Joe or whatever your name may be, how could we get the church moving in the right direction again. What's going on in our congregations? You could say in the Desert Cities ministry, what we've decided to do is surrender our whole hearts to the Lord and deciding to follow Him all the way to the end. Come what come, whatever persecutions or challenges we face, God is always going to be number one. And we're just not going to follow individually, but we're going to bring our brothers and sisters along. And then we're going to tell our neighbors about what God is doing in our lives and call them to surrender everything they have to so they could follow the Messiah. Not out of their own power, but to trust in God's righteousness. And we're going to see amazing things done for the Lord. And we're going to finish the race. You see, all these people that have quit that have left in the past, as sad as it may make us, they still have a chance if you're around. And you teach them what surrender and humility looks like. Don't give up on them. But if you hear stuff, don't give up on God. Because God has incredible plans for your life still. And even for theirs. Let's close out with this scripture before we take the communion. Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 through 39. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there's nothing that we could do, nothing that could ever happen in our lives, no situation that could separate us from the love that God has for us. Some of us are ugly. God still loves me. Have you ever seen an ugly child when they're born? And you just don't want to say anything to the parents because the parents are so fired up? That's how Jesus feels about us. I mean, some of us, only a mother could love. But Jesus loves us. What good news is that? That is awesome. That is incredible. So neither death nor life nor angels or demons, nothing could ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we take the communion right now, as we pray for that, let's recommit our hearts to the Lord once more. Wherever you're at, know that God loves you. And He will never leave you. But don't you quit on Him. You continue in your commitment. Surrender to Him fully once more. Be a genuine seeker. Remember to have no other gods before Him. And if you do repent of that, and make a decision that from here on out, nothing will ever get in your way to where you decide to not finish. Make a decision to finish the race. Let's focus on those things as we pray and as we take the bread and the wine. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for sending Jesus as an example to us of how we ought to live our lives. Help us surrender fully that we may follow Him. Knowing and understanding, God, that there's nothing we could do out of human effort to attain salvation. That what you want, God, is just open hands willing to receive your mercy. Hearts that are surrendered fully. Knowing that we stand before you in humility with nothing to offer but our hearts and our lives. I pray, God, for the repentance of myself, of the congregation, of all those around us that, brothers and sisters perhaps, that have walked away, that we could still reach. And as we take the bread and the wine, Lord, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that it was not in vain. We love you with all of our hearts, all of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.